Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. I would like to welcome today's guest, Alison Murray from Australia. She's a singer. She is here today to talk about her story with scoliosis and being fused and singing. Alison, I welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I was diagnosed with scoliosis in 2015, and it all kind of happened really relatively quickly I actually went to the doctors with a cold um, and it was a different doctor to who I would usually see and I um, and he was listening to my breathing and he could hear that my lungs were vibrating differently and from that point he sent me off to a specialist um, so that was when I was 13 and uh, yeah and then when when we went off to the specialist appointment um, I have an S curve so or kind of actually even more than that it's like a three curve situation okay so I looked straight I was a swimmer I was walking around in bathers or um, swimmers as you would call them um, five days a week and no one had noticed like I was bending over and diving into the pool and no one had noticed when I look back at the photos they took at me at the hospital before I had the spinal fusion I cannot believe how deformed my body looks. It's wow. like crazy. But one of the reasons they couldn't tell was because I was straight at the top and straight down the bottom. I had a smaller curve at the top, a smaller curve at the bottom, and then a quite a significant curve in the middle. Okay. Um, and so, uh, and yeah, so basically we went in, they did the x-rays and took the photos and everything. Um, I think when I went in, it was like, like 37, 39 degrees out. And then within three months drastically went to about 72. And they were like, okay, we're okay. gonna have to operate. Pretty much the only option at this point. Wow. Um, so yeah, I think it was like six months later, I had the spinal fusion. Um, and I didn't really at that age, I didn't really know what I was in for. Mm -hmm. You know, you're so body conscious at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, one of the, I, I remember the day of the surgery, I was so concerned that my biggest concern was them seeing my pubic hair. <laughs> I like, wasn't, you know, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just about to have my spine fused together. <laughs> like the back doesn't matter. Let's think about. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I remember like 
you know, because I would have only just started getting pubic hair and <laughs> I was shaving it all off, making sure that everything was all good down there before I have my spired pubes together. Oh my goodness. Just in a, such a totally different headspace. Like when I think about it now, or I've met other people with scoliosis that had the surgery later on in their mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. just the the biggest thing for me that I didn't get was that mental support, you know, after having that surgery, just the, I mean, I think anybody at any age needs that preparation, but um, you know, I just, I, that was the biggest thing for me was just how body conscious I was at that point and after. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. And have only really accepted that you know, in the last couple of years. It's crazy. And, and in your surroundings in Australia, there was nobody else that I'm going to say was in air quotes, quote unquote, like you. Not in my surroundings. When I was in hospital, um, there was another girl who had the surgery that I'd shared a room with. Okay. Um, who was a bit older than me. Uh, but at that point, in Melbourne, they were only doing a spinal fusion once a week. So as much as it sounds like a lot, it's not really when you think about, you know, how big the population is. Yeah. I was the only person that I knew that had it in my school. Um, you know, I, I took a whole uh, term of school off, which is like 13 weeks or something. Okay. Um, I think I was in hospital for about a week. Um, you know, I, I remember sitting up for the first time and feeling so strange. I mean, I felt so stiff and just like nauseous and it was awful. Yeah. And, and then getting up to standing and then walking for the first time after that. And I remember my mum freaking out because my feet were crossing over each other. Like I wasn't walking straight. I was okay. kind of like, it was a struggle. It was such yeah. a bizarre Your body thing wants- to go through. Yeah, your body wants to naturally curve and you stand up and you're like, I can't move. Right. You're you're disorientated yeah. on the inside. Yes, yes. You know, it's like, what's, yeah, what's happening? Mm-hmm. So I think like, you know, uh, r- relating it into, into my singing and um, trying to move forward as a performer that needs to be confident and, you know, all these things. Um, it, it was, uh, it, it has been an interesting journey. I mean, one of the things that's affected with scoliosis is the twisting of the rib cages. And how, um, and how has that affected with singing, with being fused? It, I'm, I have never known myself without scoliosis. So my lung capacity I have always felt that that is definitely something that I have struggled with, always. Pre-surgery, I I couldn't tell you whether it's necessarily gotten any worse post-surgery, only because it wasn't great pre-surgery because my rib cage was still twisted. Now, what they did when they did my surgery was at the time, um, rather than completely twisting the rib cage back to where it should be, mm-hmm. they kind of like cheated and they cut segments of the rib cage out 
flat except for the floating ribs down the bottom mm-hmm. and then the rib bone grew back flat so from the back it appears that i don't have a um uh, what do you call it like the ribs aren't sticking out at the back okay the rib hump it's, it appears, yeah the bump it appears that it's flat except for those floating ribs wow so interesting. because they did yeah super interesting now they don't do that anymore that was like revolutionary at the time that I had the surgery. Okay. And now they do it. So obviously yeah. there were problems there. Um, <laughs> was, yeah. To be honest, probably about, I must've been about four years ago, I was actually thinking of going back in and um, having them alter my floating ribs down the bottom because I feel like when I sit up against a chair, those floating ribs down the bottom cause me issues because they press up against mm-hmm. like whatever I'm leaning against yeah. more than the rest of my back. So it's like this constant discomfort. Um, unfortunately, it was going to be treated like cosmetic surgery. And as soon as that was the link, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. So, and then it was like, is this going to affect my lung capacity even further? I think I have been able to strengthen my lung capacity, but. So how, you know, so how old, how old were you when you were diagnosed? 13. Okay. And you've always had issues breathing, even as far as you can remember prior to being diagnosed with scoliosis. I've, I've always in a singing perspective. Yes. You wouldn't know. I wouldn't like, I don't feel it necessarily when I exercise, I don't, Um, feel it day to day but when I'm like trying to hold a long note or I'm singing in a choir with a lot of people that don't have curved spines okay (laughs) in those situations where I go oh yeah I can tell that I can't do that as long as a lot of other people yeah so do you do you feel that and I could be totally off the charts with this but um I'm going to ask it anyway do you feel in some way that with the rib cage rotation prior to mm-hmm. the surgery and yeah. um, your scoliosis and, and your singing, do you mm-hmm. feel that um, the two kind of made you push outside of the box or outside of the boundaries to maximize your voice? And because of that, you had to learn how to breathe that much harder with Absolutely. the limitations. So could that would you consider that a gift in some ironic way? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Even just um, it being brought to my attention, you know, there's, yeah, there's definitely a benefit in that. Um, I worked really hard to try and improve it, Mm -hmm. but it also has, affected the way that I approach writing my own music you know I I'm more rhythmical in my approach okay um at least I think so you know it's it's how I how I do my phrasing um and and the choices I make vocally work for me and I'll make them work for me you know um but I, I I mean there's just been there's been so many benefits into having had this um, surgery, even just, you know, I know you're obviously a very active person. Um, and I, I was, I was very sporty and active through school because of that. Um, I didn't have to get the two surgeries, you know, how often they go in and they loosen the spine and then they go in again and they fuse it. 
you haven't heard of that before? No, I've never heard. Well, yeah, no. I, I've met a couple of people that have had that. And the girl that I shared the hospital room with, mm -hmm. that's what she'd had done. Because um, sometimes it's age-related or how long you've had the scoliosis that the bones start to kind of set. Yeah. Um, but one of the, one of the um, benefits to being active and flexible um, is that I didn't have to have that surgery where they go in and they loosen it. Yeah. Um, but uh, after having had the surgery, I mean, I did a triathlon, I think like 12 months later, you know, I just, wow. I recently spoke to someone who's about to get the surgery and I was like, you know what? She was all worried that she wasn't going to be able to do her salsa dancing. And I was like, I started salsa dancing like three years ago. Like you can do all these things. It doesn't have to be limiting. You know, you just have to work with your limitations. Right. You have to know how your body. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so what did, after your surgery, um, what did they, what did the orthopedics tell you and why did you go, I, this is a twofold question, but what, mm -hmm. um, why was the reason that you went to that first, you didn't go to the first doctor, but you went to somebody else who then referred you to an orthopedic. Why did you end up? Yeah, going? that was just purely by chance. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then how is it in how, what were you told you can do, you can't do, you shouldn't do, don't ever do it. Go ahead and do yeah. it. Run with it. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I was told not to do anything that was high impact. Um, uh, you know, no jumping out at no bungee jumping, or <laughs> no skydiving. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, no skydiving. Which I was kind of like, that's fine. <laughs> I can live with that. Um, I don't, I don't remember so much. There must have been so many things that my mum probably had a list of. You know, okay. Um, that I, I don't remember because I pushed it, and I think because I was so young. I, I, I didn't care as much or it wasn't you know it was kind of like let me let me see how much I can do I think I read on one of your Instagram posts the other day about um uh, them advising you not to be in water too long mm -hmm. I had never heard of that yeah. before yeah because the scar I was like okay I'm gonna be on a private lake and I'm gonna be at the ocean and it, that doesn't work right that doesn't work for me, right? I know. When I read that, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I definitely like, you know, I'm very pale as well. Like, get that sunscreen on that scar. Like, I, I'll be sunscreening that scar every five minutes. You know, it's like, because <laughs> mine just comes up, you know, just a little bit up at, at the top of my shoulders. Mm -hmm. So it's like that little bit that's like always exposed. Yeah. When you've got like You're a like... shirt on or whatever. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't want to take any risks there <laughs> um no go ahead no but I was I was just gonna say but as far as physical limitations um I think I've been very fortunate in in uh, not feeling very physically limited except although in saying that I um I had wanted to do yoga I had so wanted to do yoga and I had attempted it and attempted it and attempted it and just found it so uncomfortable like just trying to hold different positions um, and what have you. And I have ju just started doing some yoga at home for 10 minutes mm -hmm. in the morning. I mm -hmm. can manage 10 minutes. 
I'm doing it in my room. I'm not yeah. conscious of whether me holding that position looks weird <laughs> to the person behind me, yeah. to the side of me, you know, it's, that's probably one thing that I've found is as much as I'm happy to go there, I do get, I, I can tell that that doesn't move all the way around or that that must look a little strange and yeah. stiff or, you know, more of a, more of a mental thing than anything. I, it's so funny because I was just, I told you I was, uh, I talked with um, Day with Viv and we were mm-hmm. on a podcast and we were talking about that. And just, you know, when you're in a class environment, you know, yeah. you, you have your limitations, but you still have this competition going on with everybody else who's in the room with you. Right. So, you know, the fact that you're able to do it in, in your own private space, in your own mind and move to the best of your ability. It's kind of like, this is, it's a one-on-one just with yourself. Right. And, and challenging your body in ways that, you know, you can target areas safely with being fused. Um, How was it? I'm, I'm interested because you're the first, well, I spoke to somebody else who's currently there, but you're the first person that I'm FaceTiming with uh, who's from Australia, who's fused. So how is it, how is it? And you've been in the States for how long? Um, In total about four years. So have you noticed, what differences have you noticed if you've come across other people who are fused? Like when you had the surgery, you were in the room with somebody who had two surgeries back home. Yeah, so... um, uh, the girl that I shared the room with, I remember, I, you know, we exchanged details and I think I spoke to her for a month after the surgery and then like never again. Okay. Um, I honestly hadn't met somebody else that I'd had an in-depth conversation with about it um, till I met uh, Simone, who I mentioned to you, mm-hmm. is a friend of mine in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and her and I met in the middle of quarantine. So only recently. This is 15 years after I've had the operation. Wow. Um, and I really just, I didn't, I didn't know anyone that was like my age or, you know, that had, that had been living with this and understands the discomfort or, you know, all the different hangups that you have with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually worked in bra fitting for a very long time. Like I've, I've worked in the bra fitting industry for like years so I'd often seen people with scars um and uh through doing that I would every now and then come across someone who had the exact same scar as me and I'd be like oh is that you know and sometimes I'd get an oh yeah but you know that's the end of the that's that's the end of the discussion then you kind of move on um but one of the biggest differences that uh Simone being American um and I had uh, realized was um, the brace situation. Um, I had a back brace that I wore for six months after the surgery. Um, I wasn't given any brace before the surgery, um, but after the surgery, I had a brace. It was uh, basically um, two metal bars that sat on the outside um, of my clothes um, that went straight down my back. It was molded to my body. And then I had um, a metal plate, two metal plates that wrapped around at my hips and one in the middle of my torso. And then they had clips at the front that clipped around and shoulder straps that clicked around. 
it, and, it was a piece of art. <laughs> and, and that was for six months after your surgery. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't brace you before your surgery because... I think it progressed too quickly because okay. that was like a six-month window between diagnosing it and having the surgery. It was okay. such a short period of time. Uh, I guess I just figured there was no point. <laughs> and then, yeah. and they, and when you were originally diagnosed, nobody gave you any type of physical therapy. No, and no physical therapy afterwards. They said wow. I didn't need it. They said wow. I didn't need it. I thought that was weird. I, I remember thinking that that was weird at the time. I, the only thing that I did, and it was like kind of loosely suggested because I was a swimmer, was like. Um, wearing a floaty around my waist mm -hmm. and like paddling in the water for exercise basically but no physical therapy That's so so how is so how is it so with with the girl that was in your room for example mm -hmm. was she braced prior to surgery do you know I mean is it I'm not sure I'm not okay. sure. I remember her being older. So I was 13. I think she was maybe like 18 or 19. Okay. Um, oh, she must have been 18, I think, because it was a children's hospital. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what her situation her situation was with the brace. And like I said, I really, I, I haven't really met many people considering how common this is. I mean, yes, perhaps less common to have the fusion, but like I said, they were still doing one surgery a week, apparently, in Melbourne. So that's still like a pretty decent number of fusions. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? wow. And then how long did your surgery take? Oh, um, I think I think it was between like eight and ten hours. Okay. Yeah. Is that about the same? Uh, mine was about 12, I think. Yeah. Oh, 12. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I had, yeah, it was, mine was 12. And it was at the time that I had the surgery, it was pretty the procedure that they were doing was relatively new not bracing afterwards or not not having a we had to have it where you had to have a body cast and oh, they had, is that in the um it like it's a whole thing yeah like, when you like, yeah yeah of, yeah so that was and, yeah you, and you would have to have that for six months after surgery okay so when i had had surgery they had just stopped doing that wow and uh, I was in the hospital for two weeks. And then like you said, you know, you get up and you're like, I can move. And you're like, no, I can't. And no physical therapy. Wow. No physical therapy. And you getting up and walking was like. I don't understand how they could do surgery on your spine and not think that that needs physical therapy afterwards is just mind boggling. Yeah. It is, but it's, uh, there's also, I think, you know, physical, physical therapy could be in some practices, just walking, but mm. uh, in this country, you know, it depends on which health insurance you have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but how, so you lived now you're in New York, but you lived in Australia. So how did, so I'm a huge lover of heat. It feels yes. amazing on my back. How, yeah. how did you, how did your body react post-surgery with your weather? Did it have a reaction? Um, <laughs> uh, not in Australia. I was fine in Australia. 
I do have a reaction to the cold here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it wasn't until recently that it was brought to my attention that it's because I've got titanium rods in my back that I am in such extraordinary pain. I hadn't realized, I hadn't made that connection because it had never been an issue. There was no reason, yeah. <laughs> but the cold gets in my back. Oh my God, it is, yeah, I'm a lover of heat as well. <laughs> yeah, when, when, you, when, you have, when you have hardware and there's cold, there's, it's, I just, it seizes, seizes up, you know, yeah. I just, every, my whole, I end up holding everything tight and it's, it's quite painful. I mean, for me, I feel like um, where I, where I have the most discomfort um, is uh, where the rods stop in my lower back and my spine can move again mm-hmm. because I feel like I just have a lot of tension um, of movement where my spine can move and then when it can't um and that's where I seem to like I just like want to hang forward (laughs) so so what (laughs) so what tools have you discovered since being in New York since discovering the brutal cold winters of New York City what tools have you found along the way to help your back um I definitely invested in a heat pack I mean, I kind of wanted one anyway, but um, that's definitely been something that I, I have needed here for sure. Um, one of those, I probably need to invest in those hard spiky balls that you would usually use on your feet. And I normally sit that in my lower back up against a wall okay. and just roll my body up and down on, on that to try and just release some of the muscle tension. Okay. Have you, have you, um, so just a suggestion that I'll throw out there is when you talk about your body reacts beautifully to the heat and coming here, do you mm-hmm. find, and, and tensing up, do you find that um, moving, even though your body is so tense, moving would help you to kind of like break that out, to break that tension out of your body? Um. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like moving, uh, I mean, it probably is helpful all the time, but I, I feel like when I am, am sore to the point of tears, <laughs> all I want to do is hang myself over and just, I guess, stretch out those lower vertebrates, mm-hmm. you know, that's like, that's what I feel like my body wants to do okay. is just let my weight go forward and let that let that stretch out but I like you know watching your your fitness videos on Instagram um I mean I feel like strengthening my core is like something that I definitely need to improve I don't think that my core strength is terrible but it's not great and I think that be with a spinal fusion I cannot afford to not have a strong core it's like it's pretty essential. dire. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's essential. It's, so you you're a singer, and you're mm-hmm. here in New York, and you've mentioned that um, you're you have kind of pushed outside the boundaries because of the breathing that is required mm-hmm. with the diaphragm, and yeah. holding that breath, and how you've worked that with your music. For people who this can be in both categories who are fused, who aren't fused. 
who have um, breathing issues, as so many do. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying we're not saying this as a doctor. We're not saying this as a physical therapist. We're just yeah. we're talking about your experience. But what would you yeah. what would you say to somebody who is having this type of issue who might be a singer? Um, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, there's, there's so many different exercises that you can do to help strengthen your lung capacity and they do work, you know, to, to varying degrees, I guess. Um, one thing that, one thing that I, I think is more essential is not how long you can exhale, but how much control you have doing it. Um, and, uh, you know, as a singer, to be able to hold a long note is great, but to be able to hold a shorter note at a better quality is far more important. Um, but I'll do a lot of exercises like, um, you know, uh, breathing cycles where you, you breathe in for three seconds, you hold it for three seconds, you breathe out and you build up to like, say, 10 and then you go back down because of my spine, I feel like I am most comfortable doing a lot of breathing exercises lying down. I feel like when I am standing up, I just, I, I just kind of get more tense or I'm more conscious of what I'm doing with my body, which is important. Mm-hmm. But I think when I'm trying to focus on the breath, I prefer to be lying down. And when you're lying down, do you have to put something on one side of your ribs so that you feel, I'm going to use the word and it's in air quotes, even on the floor, because if we have a rib, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. That isn't something that I've done. Um, I guess when I, when I put my hands on my rib cages, I can like consciously kind of twist my body Mm -hmm. to create that flatness but okay. I've never tried actually putting like a weight there to, to do that. Is that something that you. I, I've, that I've spoken with people who have, who I've spoken with people who have to do that to feel even. Oh, um, what would you like to, sh- is there anything that we haven't gone over that you would like to share about your experience with scoliosis being fused, being fused in another country coming to the States, meeting, meeting Simone. It's been, um, it has been a really positive um, experience in connecting with people in the last six months. Thank you, COVID. Once I met Simone, um, it was her 10 year anniversary. Um, and she was she was doing a um, photo shoot and wanting to do some awareness um, mm-hmm. things, you know, associated with the 10 year anniversary for her. And I was like, oh, you know what? It'd be really cool if we did a photo shoot together and maybe write an article together. And so we did. We did a photo shoot together, which was fun. I mean, the the uh, the uh, ex- the excitement of doing the photo shoot together as uh this is this is us we're proud of our bodies you know um you know bent not broken yeah 
all these kinds of things where it was like, okay, like sisterhood, let's do this. Uh, yeah, the, and, the picture of the two of you with your backs. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, it's just, it says everything. It's, yeah, it, it just felt really empowering. Um, and yeah, and after, so once we wrote the article and then posted that on Instagram, I mean, that's where I was able to connect with you. Right. And I also found a lot of other resources and when we posted that article I then had patients that haven't been fused yet reach out to me to ask about my experience before they got fused and I was like oh I didn't realize that I could play this role I want to help people like this is this you know it's, it's such a scary thing for a lot of people yeah and I think you know unfortunately there's probably a lot of people that go through it that don't have a good experience or don't feel or don't feel like they can find opportunity with it. And um, I think because my experience ultimately has been relatively positive, um, it has taken time, but I feel like I'm at a really good place with it now that, you know, I, I'm like, talk to me. If you're going in to get the surgery, like talk to me, I'll tell you it's gonna be okay. <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's important. We need yeah. that people need to hear that because if they don't have the support in their community or with their families, and it's, it's such an unknown when you come into the world of scoliosis and an orthopedic says to you something and you're like, wait, what? And the family is like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. And then somebody's there. And sometimes the best gift is a complete stranger cheering you on. Right. Absolutely. Because they get it. Absolutely. And um, in my case, you know, there, uh, there was, I don't know whether this is correct or not, but I know when I was getting the surgery, they were saying that it's often hereditary. Um, and I mean, you said your daughter has it as well, but I didn't have anyone in my family that had it. So to my knowledge, I was the first one. And because no one had had it before, I didn't have the network. Yeah. You know, it was, it, it wasn't it, it, there. So. Yeah. It's like yeah, another, it's, it's um, like another language. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. It's, it's crazy. But um, all in all, you know, it's, um, it definitely has its days. Uh, but for the most part, you kind of learn to work with it. It just is what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, I, so we have met on Instagram, but now I'm going to ask you, where can people find you in social media? Yeah. Um, my, uh, social media account is Alison Murray music. It's Alison with a Y, A-L-Y-S-O-N. Um, Alison Murray music is all my things. (laughs) Um, my website, you know, the lot, it's all Alison Murray music. Okay, alisonmurraymusic.com? Dot com is the website, yeah. Okay, okay. And on um, Instagram? And on Instagram, it's just alisonmurraymusic, one word. Um, yeah, if you find me, message me, you know? <laughs> Here to help. <laughs> Here to connect with people. It's great. I mean, it's fantastic. Building a support. Yeah. Our our, our, our community just keeps growing. Right, right. It just keeps growing with empowerment. And it's there. It's just about making those initial connections. Yeah. I'm so glad to have jumped on with you and been able to be a part of it. 
Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for being a guest on the uh, T3Fit Scoliosis podcast. If anybody would like to find Allison, go to Instagram go, go or go to allisonmurraymusic.com. She's there. You can message her with any questions you have about her experience with scoliosis. And if you're in Australia, she might have some tips for you. So Allison, thanks for being a guest on the show. Thanks so much. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.